Welcome to Pale Blue Pod, the astronomy podcast for people who are overwhelmed by the universe but want to be its friend. That's like us. Uh Uh-huh. Hi, I'm Dr. Moya McTeer. I'm an astrophysicist and folklorist, and I sometimes get overwhelmed by the universe, but I uh, almost always feel like I am its friend. I love that. And I'm Kirk Caputo, writer, um, comedian, and friend of the universe, although today's Today's topic tested me. I will say that. <laughs> today's topic was, mm, uh, actually, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed it, but I know that there are a lot of people out there who have strong feelings about today's topic. Um, we'll get into that in a second. But first, we have to tell you where we're recording this episode. Yeah, Moya, where are we right now? Explain this to me. So we, if you recall, we ended the last episode... Uh, Well, we recorded the last episode in the projector room of a movie theater, Mm -hmm. and we ended recording right before a movie started. So that should give you a hint as to what this uh, episode is about. We are going to be talking about the movie we watched, but we're not talking about it in the theater. We moved. We moved. We needed time to collect our thoughts, figure out what we, uh, what our opinion of this movie was. And in that time, we also traveled from the movie theater to the Atacama Desert in Chile. A uh, quick a hop and a skip. Just, it's, it's actually <laughs> so quick. Um, we, I have been in this location before. We are recording from the control room at the Alma Observatory, which is the Atacama Large Millimeter slash Submillimeter Array. It's one of the most powerful telescope arrays that we have on Earth. And we are sitting in the chairs that the telescope operators sit in. Wow, how lucky. What a lucky get. I know. Um, this is my second time in this room. Uh, for for people who subscribe to our Patreon, I will show you pictures that I took mm-hmm. when I visited Alma the first time. Um, I made a snow angel up at the top of a mountain on top of a third of the entire Earth's atmosphere. It was really high up. That's really um, high up. I know. Okay, so that's where we are. <laughs> We're in the Alma Control Center, and today we are talking about Moonfall. Moonfall. The famous movie Moonfall. (laughs) Famous Uh, (laughs) movie from last... Maybe infamous I think absolutely infamous, yes. There was a kid when I was in middle school whose screen name was like infamous, you know, Joe or whatever his name was. Okay. And um, at the time, I didn't know what infamous meant. And I was Mm. just like, this person is really smart. (laughs) And it's just the word infamous with like an (laughs) I-N in front of I, there are some words that, um, like, oh, what's the word? Like, regardless or irregardless or, um, like, extraordinary, where if you, if you put a little, a little suffix in front of it, it totally changes the meaning of the Mm -hmm. word. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the the meaning stays the same. Yeah. Like, regardless and irregardless mean the same thing. I think, isn't irregardless not a word? Technically, no, but it's been accepted. But people, I think it should be accepted because I love yeah. when language changes, like because people use it. That That's is really fun works. for me. But I know that a lot of um, a lot of other people can be a little more purist about it. But I'm always like, isn't this amazing how the internet's changing our words? <laughs> I agree 100 percent with you, Corinne. Okay, but, yeah, uh, no, but infamous, yeah, that was a that was a weird word. I didn't realize it meant the opposite of famous or like famous in a bad way. Yeah, that, exactly. I I thought he just meant like not faint or unknown and I was like that's Mm. funny I think this kid might be funny (laughs) no no not funny just had a slightly larger vocabulary yeah exactly exactly (laughs) um but we watched Moonfall which for any listeners out there there will be spoilers so if you want to watch Moonfall please pause the pod and Mm -hmm. go watch it it is on HBO 
what's the genre here? Um, uh, uh, drama, sci-fi. Yeah, it's a sci-fi drama. There are maybe some attempts at comedy here. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> to me in that sweet spot of a thirty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like I think thirty to forty on Rotten Tomatoes is my sweet spot for a movie because really it makes me feel smarter than the movie, which I love. <laughs> And it's not such a good movie that I'm like, wow, I should be writing stuff that good. You know, it's that sweet spot where you're watching it and you're like, this is funny to me. Okay, I I appreciate that, like that intermediate zone, Mm -hmm. because I definitely know the feeling of watching a movie or reading a book where it's so good that I just feel shitty about myself because I know I'll never make anything that good. Exactly. And then you're like, why am I even trying to make art? Yeah. But this is this is the sweet this spot. This is the sweet spot. And yes. it's not so bad that it's insufferable. It's like kind of a fun romp. Exactly. But this is a 2022 sci-fi disaster movie, which was written, directed, and produced by Roland Emmerich. Hmm. I've never heard of that person. He also did um, a movie with Will Smith that I forget. He did a Will Smith movie because I had just watched like a like a Vanity Fair like clip with him to see how his name was pronounced. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they use like clips of his other movies. Okay, um, cool. But it's a fun, big budget movie um, about the moon falling to the earth. What a ridiculous premise. There is the title, Moonfall. And I am I have so many questions, Moya, but I'll start mm-hmm. with just like a quick summary of what the cool. movie is. So the, the fast logline is that it's like a mysterious force has hit the moon off course and now the moon is kind of hurtling towards Earth. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the deeper dive summary is that there's this astronaut named Brian, played by Patrick Wilson, and he has this co-astronaut named Joe, played by Halle Berry, and they yes. did a mission like 10 years ago together. And there was a third astronaut on that trip, but while they were doing like some routine repair, um, this astronaut died. And oh. he died because some bizarre metallic scorpion type monster shapeless i don't really know mm-hmm. like a hive mind of little electronic things exactly and it and it's like it has like snake like energy but also clearly made up of many smaller parts <laughs> And it squiggles around, it takes this one astronaut, or like, you know, kind of breaks his cable and and they are separated, but Patrick Wilson's character, Brian, successfully gets back in the space shuttle and drives Mm. and flies him and Halle Berry home. And this is like a kind of Sully level achievement. (laughs) Sully, the the pilot. pilot. The pilot. I never saw the Sully movie, but the trailer was like, Sully, we all know Sully landed the plane. But, like, but what if he didn't? And it was like, no, he did. Like, we all know he did. Yeah, why would they make it? In the movie, does he not land the plane? No, I think he definitely does in the movie. But, like, I'm pretty sure the movie inner cuts between some trial and, like, him actually landing the plane. Interesting. They're just trying to create drama. Movies um, are weird. Movies are so... Uh, trailers are especially weird. The one... of uh, 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 interesting tidbit about this hive mind thing that killed that third astronaut. I thought it was just a debris cloud. I thought it was just oh. normal space junk at first. But here is here is a tip, friends. Here's a pro tip. If you watch uh, non-comedy movies with the subtitles on, you get some extra context. So the subtitles, when, when the hive mind was moving towards the space shuttle, uh, said digital rumbling, which is how I knew it wasn't just regular old space debris. I didn't catch that. 
That's mm-hmm. awesome. Okay, mm-hmm. digital. So there's this digital beast that's rumbling, <laughs> and it <laughs> and it goes away. Like it, they don't have to keep fighting it or anything. Um, but Brian and Joe go back to planet Earth. They land the space shuttle, and the space shuttle we did retire in 2012. So this is historically accurate so far. It's um, a real one, yeah. We he lands the shuttle, but then it cuts to him basically in some kind of like job trial where they're like what are you talking about? That kind of tech is impossible. That never happened. You lost a man out there. That's so tragic. And you lost your job too. And Halle Berry doesn't come to his defense and say that, no, we witnessed something crazy because she had been knocked unconscious when it happened. So now, 10 years later, Brian is out of NASA work at least. And Joe is working for NASA still and Brian is kind of he's now divorced he has an older kid who seems to be getting in and out of trouble his life is rough his life is rough now and it's all because nobody believed him so we see that he is kind of supposed to do some museum style astronaut talk and he shows up late but before he gets there is this conspiracy theorist named Casey Casey and um, he believes that the moon is an artificial megastructure. And you're going to hear us use this word a lot, <laughs> I think. The megastructure. <laughs> this is a real term. This okay, is a real that term that astronomers use um, and sci-fi writers use. But, um, yeah, it is. it does sound kind of It sounds silly. completely made up. And I was like, I got to get Moya in on this. Like, what's going on? <laughs> He's a megastructurist. And he spent his life, it seems, dedicated to proving that the moon is a megastructure. And he lives on, like, the fringes of YouTube society and conspiracy theories. He tries to get in touch with Brian to prove that, look, I just printed out these numbers. The moon's orbit is off. And he does a few, like, sneaky, unethical things before this. Yes. He downloads data from Alma, which is why we're here. Yay! Um, That was – so he breaks into Alma by posing as a janitor. And then, well, he breaks into the into a university that can uh, connect to the Alma servers. Oh, and that's the he's phone call he gets. Yes, yeah. yes, that's the phone call he gets. Where he's like, yeah, send me this to that other email address I included. I'm totally like, the professor that you think you're yeah, talking to. Yeah. And then um, he goes to work at like an Arby's kind of restaurant and um, then runs out of the job because he's like, wait, the moon is not on its course. And then he calls. He makes a, one of the funniest phone calls I've ever seen, which is he just calls a number and is like, put me in touch with NASA. I need to yes. tell them that there's an emergency happening. And the woman on the other line works at the NASA gift shop. And it seems like it's the middle of the night in the gift shop because it's pitch black. There's nobody in there but her working the desk for some reason. Right. Didn't you know NASA gift shops are open 24-7? Yeah. It's like, oh, that's that's an amazing feature that that NASA does. I don't think that's true, but it should be. But he doesn't get through to NASA and he tries this (laughs) other way where he meets up with Brian at this museum. Um, he gets escorted out because Brian is like, I don't know this guy. This guy's being so strange. And this is after he tells a group of children that the moon's megastructure and he just like kind of vomits his conspiracy onto them. And the kids are just <laughs> listening nicely. That's not what they do. That's not what they, Well, also, there are so many moments with the kids that I was like, I've done this part. I've done the talking to kids about space part, and I know they're not like this. Uh-uh. Basically, it turns out Halle Berry simultaneously is at NASA finding out the moon is off orbit. Oh, no. What are we going to do? Ooh. So she gets promoted in a way, really a glass 
cliff kind of way we can talk about later, where the <laughs> director of NASA immediately steps down and is like, you've always wanted my job, you can have it. And she starts, um, she does a really noble push towards like, we're gonna stop this. She gets Brian in on it. Mm-hmm. And Brian is like, I'm only going if I can bring Casey. Because he realizes that Casey's right, the moon is coming to Earth. And they find this out in a hilarious way, where they see the moon from their house, kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and suddenly the moon is as big as the Earth, it seems. Right, right. That happens when it gets closer. Mass flooding is happening. People are, like, evacuating from where they are. And he has to get to um, Casey to, to align and say, hey, that thing you were talking about the other day, I think you're right. And Casey's mm-hmm. like... Oh my god, this is amazing. This is my dream come true. So the moon's falling closer and closer to Earth, and then they start. This is where the timeline mm-hmm. and how much time is passing st- stops making sense to me. Yeah, yeah. The timeline <laughs> okay. was a little bit confusing. There are times they reference hours have passed, where I'm like, do we have that to spend? And then there are times <laughs> where we a week or so has passed, and I'm like, mm. wouldn't there be mass disaster if we wait a week? I'll bet. I'll bet we'll never get to the bottom of this. <laughs> yeah. So basically what's exciting is to jump ahead a bit, because it is a very long movie. Yeah. Like, too long. A lot happens. A lot and, happens. And they spend a lot of time on stuff that isn't necessary. 100% agree. So what's exciting is that they Halle Berry gets this idea from her young son that they should break the space shuttle out of the museums and take it back up to space. So there's a hilarious scene where they're towing it through the streets and (laughs) Brian, um, Joe, and um, Casey organize. They are the three that are going to go on this mission to stop the moon from falling to Earth. Mm -hmm. So the army simultaneously has a plan, which is to blow up the moon. With nukes. With nukes. And they teach the stupidest idea. Also, this is the number one like, one of the things we tell the kids at the Space Center a lot, which is, like, well, you're not going to – if this comet was really falling to Earth in this scenario, you don't want to blow it up because you might create many more comets that are then <laughs> – or, you know, comet-like things. Yeah. So then they're up in space. They see the thing again. Well, they've sent other astronauts before this. Those astronauts did not make it because they saw the digital noise machine monster. Mm-hmm. Um, that monster did take their lives. Aggressively. Aggre- in a scary way. Yeah. And I think NASA is always conscious of astronaut safety and is like, well, maybe it's not the best idea to like keep sending people up here to do this. But um, they persevere. And now we've got... <laughs> I'm jumping ahead, and I'm not including the B-plot at all because I found it boring. Now we've got our three main characters up in space, and guess what? They see the digital monster come out of the moon, and they're like, what is that? And, you know, there's a whole other round of, like, understanding that this is happening. And then they have to smash Casey's phone because they realize that's what draws the monster in. That's on my piece. (laughs) When there is technology and organic matter in the same place— then the monster comes out. So <laughs> they smash the phone. The, machi- the space shuttle is basically off, I guess. So they're secretly, you know, landing on the moon now. And they go inside of the moon. Inside the moon. They go. With one of the, one of the best lines. Uh, they're like actively going into the center of the moon. And someone, I think Casey says, are we dead? And then Brian <laughs> says, no, we're just inside the moon. <laughs> The line that I remember from that part is when they go, we can breathe. And I was like, 
no, you can't. <laughs> that, that can't be right. Well, um, you know. So it turns out the moon, the inside of the moon is hollow. Naturally. And inside is something I cannot explain, but it seems but we'll like get to an that. intelligent thing has created this. They interact with this intelligence thing that's yes. like there there are two aliens here. There's the the bad one that's trying to uh, take over the moon, and mm-hmm. there's the good one that it turns out built the the moon mega structure to begin yes. with. And they they have contact with the good alien. That gives them the ability to defeat the bad alien. Yes. And that's why whenever the bad alien kind of temporarily leaves the moon, the moon tries to put itself back on its orbit, which Mm, was another mm -hmm. hilarious fact. Um, (laughs) So in the end, Casey decides to sacrifice himself in a way so that Joe and Brian can make it back safely to Earth. They both have kids and love their families and... I think Casey sees that the hero's journey he's always wanted is to, like, play this major role, and he takes it on. And Brian and Joe get safely back to Earth. The world Mm -hmm. is saved. And guess what? (laughs) Casey? Not dead. Well, not his consciousness. Well, not his consciousness. His body is gone. But he is now alive in the moon. (laughs) He's Um, part of the moon. He's part of the moon now, and his cat is there. And... (laughs) And we'll get to that. So, highly recommend watching this movie. And <laughs> I mean, well, we'll we are going to score this movie at the end of the episode. And based on our score, and based on uh, the other things we talk about, you can decide if you want to watch it. But um, really, if you care about spoilers, you should have watched it already <laughs> when we told you to pause at the beginning of the episode. But now, thank you for that summary, Corinne. Oh yeah. Um, wow, that was such a long movie. So much it stuff was happened. So long. Now we are going to share our peeves and thieves, uh, which is something I I came up with to evaluate different forms of media. And it's our pet peeves, things we didn't like, and the thieves of our hearts, Mm -hmm. the things that we really liked about the movie. So now we'll start with peeves so that we can be as mean as possible. And then we'll do thieves (laughs) so that people forget the mean things we said. And I do want to say, this movie looks amazing. Like the CGI, like... The effects, the sound, it's all like there was hard work put into this movie. But mm-hmm. I do, as a writer, can say a few things about this story that that is perhaps <laughs> lacking. Perhaps. Um, so, yeah, let's let's go into peeves. Corinne, do you want to tell me your first peeve with this okay. movie? My first peeve was, well, when he's late to the group um, that he's supposed to teach at the museum. Brian? Brian. And Casey shows up early waiting for Brian as well. And all of the kids think Casey is Brian. Mm -hmm. So they turn around and they're like, you're late. My teacher says you're a washed up no show. And I was like, that is extremely rude. Very rude. (laughs) And I've never had a kid come to the Space Center. And immediately kids were always like, are you a real astronaut? Like they Mm. worship like being taught about space and the fact that they might be near a real astronaut is kind of mind-blowing. So I was like, that is not how the kids would be. Mm, They might be like, you look different than I thought, but I don't think they would be like, you're a washed-up no-show, you idiot. (laughs) Fair. That's a good peeve. Um, My my peeves are roughly chronological and also roughly in order from smallest to biggest. So my, my first small peeve is that 
all the banter that they're doing at the beginning of the movie when the three astronauts, Joe, Brian, and that mm-hmm. other guy who died, when they're working on the space shuttle, they talk about Toto's Africa. Yes. Um, and Brian gets the, the words wrong, which pisses me off because it's one of it's a very well-known song. Uh-huh. But I'm also annoyed that they use that song because Toto has an amazing and deep catalog. I'm talking Hold the Line, I'll Supply the Love, Rosanna, which I listened to on repeat during my first research internship, and I nicknamed the galaxy I studied Rosie because of it. So that annoyed me. Okay, I have an annoying um, thing about that scene as well. (laughs) Halle Berry goes, she corrects him, and is like, that's not the words, these are the words. And Mm -hmm. she goes, I should know, I karaoke'd it at my wedding. And I was like... (laughs) Explain this wedding to me. <laughs> Did Was there a karaoke element at the wedding? Because that's so fun. Yeah. I just got very hung up on what was that wedding like? Yeah. And maybe because I'm still coming off my own wedding of like really shaping an event. But I was like, I got to know more about that. Yeah, absolutely. And then the, the wedding that she's talking about, I realized later was to the the army yes. guy or the military guy. Why did they t- not reveal that until 40 minutes left in the movie? Because this movie is not the best constructed yeah, movie It's I've a ever little seen. out of order. Yeah. A little out of order. Okay, my next peeve, let's see, is how lonely it must be to be a conspiracy theorist. Mm. Because Casey this like he he holds like a mini event where he's like everyone we're meeting at our usual spot and i'm gonna go over again <laughs> the moon is a megastructure mm-hmm. and there's gonna be free bagels or something and i Gotta was like free carbs yeah i was just like this must be such a manic life if you've really bought into all of these things are like being held secret from you that's a really overwhelming feeling and i did not like it i was picking up on the bad energy of that yeah although Good for them for for being able to capture that energy. That's true. They have a little community. Yeah. And they captured it on the screen. They did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that that is annoying. My next peeve is that they did not need the Alma data to determine that the moon was getting closer to us. Alma is a a really powerful telescope. It's being used to study planet formation around distant stars and like galaxy evolution. It does sometimes observe the moon because the moon passes over it. And then, like, we study the temperature of the moon with it. But really, it would be, it would be like, amateur astronomers mm-hmm. who spend all of their nights looking at the moon and other things in the sky who would have noticed that it's moving faster, that it's getting uh, slightly bigger. Um, like, they, they would have known that. Yeah, that's a really good point. I did not. I just assumed that there's no way it would be held secret that the moon or like somebody Absolutely would just not. completely miss that the moon is moving closer to us. Anyone who pays attention would have been able to tell. And was it communicated that like, I imagine the moon has started moving closer to us since they first encountered this alien 10 years ago. So I think what happened was that it took like 10 years for it to get to the core Oh, right. Yes. Like it had to drill through the surface. Yeah. And then it was able to to maneuver the moon. Gosh, that must be exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a lot of. Keep going. I want to hear him because you probably have more than me. (laughs) Well, you you do do yours. (laughs) And then when you run out, I'll just say them all. Okay. Next moment that I really hated, had like a visceral reaction to was when Mm -hmm. Casey goes, I love Elon. 
they're referencing that SpaceX can help them like get to the moon. And it's like a throwaway mm-hmm. line that did not need to be in the movie. Where he's like, well, and thanks to our friends at SpaceX, we have a, you know, a machine. Do you think they sponsored it? Do you think that was product placement? No, I have a theory. I have a conspiracy theory about this. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> My theory is that this movie went through many rounds of revision. Mm-hmm. And there was a revised round where they were like, well, who's our audience for this movie? It's probably other, like, Elon Musk fans, conspiracy mm. theorists, people who are, like, pro-SpaceX in, like, an anti-democratic kind of way. Like, people who can kind of get lumped into that group. And I think they did a round of, like, edits where it was catering yeah. exclusively to that audience. Oh, my God. I would believe that. That's my conspiracy. Yeah. Maybe I picked up on like what what it's like to think in like a <laughs> in this <laughs> global conspiracy way from this movie, but yeah. that's what my gut says. Yeah. Um this is not this is not an Elon Musk fan podcast. No, no, it's Mm-mm. not. It's Absolutely really not. not. <laughs> like the opposite. <laughs> this is the opposite <laughs> of that. Um my next peeve is that they they say that the moon is hollow. Mm-hmm. We would know. We would like I think a lot of people don't realize what type of information we have on the moon. Um, We can see it so we know its physical size. Mm -hmm. We can see how quickly it orbits around the Earth so we know its mass because we know like the how gravity works. And when the Apollo 11 astronauts went to the moon, they placed a seismometer on it that would measure like seismic activity, like moonquakes. And we on Earth uh, and in other bodies in the solar system like Mars, we use seismic activity to essentially look inside the interior of a body uh, because the seismic activity is is pre- it's waves it's like pressure waves mm-hmm. moving through a body and you can kind of reverse engineer the pressure waves that you receive to figure out what the structure is yeah. inside so we would know that the moon if is there hollow. was a giant alien coring its way to the center you probably <laughs> would have picked up on that right um, but so much of this movie is based on a faulty premise of the stuff that we in reality know to be true about the moon actually isn't real. Mm-hmm. And uh, people have been keeping it a secret for a long time, Yikes. which is, which this, this is actually my next piece. So it like, yeah, bleeds right, go into right it. in. We astronomers are so bad at keeping secrets. The idea that for 50 years, astronomers, engineers, astronauts, <laughs> the janitorial staff that would have been walking through the NASA center that day, like, the idea that for 50 years that many people could keep that big of a secret under wraps is absurd to me. That's so funny. That's a great point. Everyone is more of a gossip than we're acting like. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that. Okay, my next peeve is Halle Berry's promotion. Mm. I think a lot about um, like the glass cliff, which is – it's like a glass ceiling, which is like a glass ceiling is like the invisible barrier – that would prevent you from getting promoted. A glass cliff is when you do get promoted, except they've promoted you at a time of like dire circumstances. So they've set you up essentially to fail where they're like, not maybe not intentionally for you to fail, but you've been given this job where Mm -hmm. the odds are against you. So Mm -hmm. I remember listening to it, I think on like an episode of Death, Sex and Money like years ago. So I'm always like, as soon as that happened, where her, the real director of NASA, or the first director of NASA when the movie starts, is like, mm-hmm. you've always wanted my job, you can have it. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, 
no, no, no. <laughs> We're not promoting <laughs> probably our first woman of color NASA director. Oh, absolutely. In, uh, right now we're going to do that? <laughs> it was really frustrating. But in the end it worked out because she, as the acting director of NASA, she did save the world. She did. That's true. So in the end it worked out. And it's a movie. So like we knew that that was going to happen. True. I wasn't sure if she would make it. I wasn't sure who Mm. was going to live. I feel like I would. I knew that she would make it because I am very confident that the community I'm a part of on Twitter would have told me if Halle Berry died in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. I think Um, I thought Brian would die for a long time because they explicitly say he's still torn up about what happened 10 years ago and losing, mm. I think Marcus was the other astronaut's name. And instead of, there's nothing that's like under the surface in this movie. It's all explicitly stated. Yeah, there's there's no like sense of poetic justice here. Um, No, no. They're not trying to create that much of an artistic masterpiece. No way. Mm -mm. Uh, Okay, this is, this is maybe... No, I've had a few sciencey pet peeves, but this is a this is a big one. I I took notes, and this was the first time that I wrote in all caps um, <laughs> in the notes. And there's a line when they realize when NASA realizes that the moon is falling in towards the Earth when they say, and I quote, "The moon has entered an elliptical orbit. It will circle the Earth three times." <laughs> Before it, before it like collides with us or whatever. But the moon is already on an elliptical orbit. An ellipse is just like a like an imperfect circle. You can have stable elliptical orbits. All of the orbits in our solar system are elliptical. <laughs> yeah. What they meant to say was that the moon has entered an unstable orbit or like maybe even, uh, I mean, hyperbolic orbit isn't right either because a hyperbolic orbit is one where the, the orbiting body gets flung out of the system. Mm-hmm. Um but they could have said it's entered an in-spiral orbit, it's entered an unstable orbit, it's entered a decaying orbit. They could have said so many other things instead no. of the thing they did say, which is just... It's in an elliptical orbit? Yeah. That's which is so just describing cool. how the moon has always been. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, mm-hmm. another thing for the list. I hated the moment when they're finally launching this rocket with Joe, Brian, and Casey... And the ocean is now taller than it's ever been. And they're desperately trying to launch the rocket before the ocean swallows them. Uh-huh. And they do get underwater for a moment. Yeah, they do. And then the rocket pulls through and shoots up into the moon. And I'm so confident that can't happen. I was okay with that. <laughs> Maybe it's I because I was. watched so many space shuttle launch videos when I was at the Space Center where I'm like, this never happened. That's true. It has never happened at <laughs> a launch before. <laughs> but, but one these, day. But one day when the moon is falling to Earth and it's so close that it seems to literally graze the surface of Earth as it orbits. Like that's how it looks at the end of the movie. The Earth and the moon are basically touching and rolling around each other. But when... when the moon gets that close, the gravity is going to be weird. And the the gravitational pull between the rocket and the moon is going to be greater than the pull between the water and the moon because the rocket has more Ooh. mass. Interesting. Okay, because I was wondering, of all the water depicted in in this, what was going to happen? Or like what yeah. could happen if this were real? I imagine it would be a lot worse than it was on that movie. 
the scene where you the water is rushing uh, on the land oh, in yes. California and, and like Casey and Brian, they're in that building. Yeah. They all should have been dead. I mm-hmm. think I'm pretty sure water moves faster than that, that was... and with that much force. Yep. When Casey gets knocked over, he should be dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that all of the like the numbers and the magnitude of these outcomes probably aren't right. But I think yeah. that the concept behind these effects, sure, I think that is right. Sure. Like the tide is way higher than ever. And right. The tide's going to be higher. You're going to get increased tectonic activity. Mm-hmm. Um, th- gravity will be funky. Uh, the, the gravity of Earth will be offset by the gravity of the moon and light things will be able to um, temporarily overcome Earth's gravity and move towards the moon, especially very light things like water droplets scary sorry to pick apart your peeve (laughs) no that's true it's good to know yeah uh okay this this is my second biggest pet peeve keep in mind we are halfway through the list of my pet peeves (laughs) um and I, i i wrote in all caps where does the extra mass of the moon come from yeah is they it, don't explain it. Is they it the don't bad explain alien, it. maybe? <sighs> I mean, I'm sure they did not have a reason for this, but... I, yeah, I guess it could have been the bad alien. That is, that is, the, that is the best explanation. Yeah. Like, why, why does the moon have more mass now than it has for billions of years? Mm-hmm. Um, and if, the, if the, this alien is the reason for the extra mass, it's been there for 10 years. Why haven't we noticed... Uh, a, a deviation in the moon's orbit before yeah. now because the orbit is determined by the mass of these two bodies. Um, the moon's current gravity, even without the added mass that they don't they don't say where it comes from, the moon's current gravity is enough to affect seismic activity on Earth. They have a line where Casey's like, we're dealing with megastructures. Yes. Your, your your rules don't apply here anymore. Yes. And I'm like, nah, bitch. They do, the, the rules of gravity, they yes. still apply. And we know, based on the rules of gravity, that it is. The moon is massive enough to affect seismic activity. There are studies out of research groups in Japan that have shown that big earthquakes, and like they're, they're in the Pacific Rim, there are a lot of earthquakes and seismic activity over there, that big earthquakes are more likely to happen when there's a new or full moon, meaning when the, the moon and its effect on our tides is, is biggest. Sure, yeah. I hated that moment. Yeah, I was really excited that they they got the seismic activity thing right, and then one of the the NASA people was like, "Oh, well, the moon isn't isn't massive enough to do that." And then Casey had to be like, "Well, you're not accounting uh, for the extra mass." So all of that yes. together was just bad for me. I hated when he said, "Your rules don't apply here anymore," because it made it feel so like othering, where it's like I, the conspiracy theorist, am right and have always been right, and mm. the rules you made up, which are not made up. Their science. <laughs> I hated that moment. Yeah, that was a bad one. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where Casey says that eclipses aren't real. Oh, I totally missed that. What the hell? It's when he explains how the moon is actually a megastructure to the kids at the museum. I'm really hung up on this kids scene, clearly. Right. Um, and he says, like, that's why eclipse when eclipses happen. I honestly blacked out in this sentence. I was just like, no, no. <laughs> But there's a moment where he implies that because the moon is a megastructure and was created by something else, mm-hmm. eclipses are like an illusion. And it felt very flat earthy in a way. Oh. And I was not here for it. It's not an illusion if it's physically real. It might not be organic, but it's still not an illusion. There is a physical moon-shaped structure that is <laughs> passing in front of the sun from our point of view. 
if I have to hear the word megastructure again, I will listen through this podcast. But once we're done recording, I never want to hear that again. again. Okay, so uh, we will not be doing an episode on Dyson spheres. Okay, cool. I do want to do that. He did mention that in the movie. And I was like, like the vacuum? Totally different Dyson. They are not related. I think we've said this before. I think we've had this exact conversation (laughs) on this podcast. (laughs) What's up? It's Moya here to shout out our amazing patrons who are supporting Pale Blue Pod with their financial resources every single month. Thank you so much to our latest pre-main sequence star, Michael Yancey. I hope you're not getting too cold in your condensing gas cloud out there. I also really want to thank, as always, our sun-like stars, Sharn Llewellyn, Finn, Ian Williams, and our latest solar-type star, Megan Moon. Absolutely perfect name. Thank you so much for your support. It really makes a huge difference over here. You, too, can support us and join this stellar crew, hear your name on the show, and make it to our patron star chart, all by supporting us on Patreon. You can find the star chart and Patreon info at our website, palebluepod.com, or just go right to the source. Head to patreon.com slash palebluepod, and for just about a dollar for every episode, you'll get access to research notes where I kind of fact check and give extra reading material on stuff we cover in the show, uh, you you also get to be on our star chart, which I wrote a code to produce and I would like to use it more often. So again, head on over to patreon.com slash palebluepod. Thank you. Thank you so much. We love you. Okay. Wow. Am I excited to tell you about this. Tell Me About It is a new madcap game show podcast about proving that the things you like are actually interesting. Hosted by Adel Rafai from Hey Riddle Riddle and Hello from the Magic Tavern, along with Multitude's own Eric Silver. Adel plays an eccentric billionaire who has wrangled his audio butler Eric to prove that the single most interesting and cool thing ever is the movie musical Grease which I'm pretty sure I do agree with. In every episode, a guest comes on to share and defend their favorite thing through a series of absurd games and challenges. The trailer for Tell Me About It is out now, and the first two episodes drop February 23rd. New episodes after that are every Thursday, and I know you're going to love it. So go check out Tell Me About It now. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. I've actually struggled with anxiety and depression for years. I've been in and out of therapy. I've been on and off meds. And I know that when you're in the depths of one of those depression or anxiety spirals, when you hate yourself and the world, that one of the hardest things to do is pick up a phone and have a consultation with a therapist and then go to their office and meet with them in person. That's all so difficult. But luckily, with BetterHelp, which is the world's largest therapy service, you can do therapy 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy, and that way BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. And if you ever feel uncomfortable with a therapist or if you feel like it's not a good fit, you can switch very easily for no additional charge. 
With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality that you would expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. And there's more scheduling flexibility, and it's at a more affordable price. But to make it even more affordable, you can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash PaleBluePod. That's BetterHelp.com slash PaleBluePod. So head to our link to join the millions of people who are making the really brave decision to improve their mental health. Again, our link is BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash PaleBluePod. Do you want to learn more about science, math, AI technology? Just go to Brilliant.org. Whatever level you're at, Brilliant will help you master the skills you need. Brilliant is the best way to learn things like math and computer science interactively. There are thousands of lessons from foundational and advanced math to AI, data science, and more. And new lessons are added monthly. Even as a copywriter, I really need to know the ways to stay ahead as this industry is affected by things like AI. The skills I learned to build my career aren't exactly the ones I need now. And this is where Brilliant.org comes in. I'm a big believer in hands-on learning. I know that's how my brain works best. And Brilliant's visual hands-on approach is such an effective way to master the key concepts behind today's technology. Plus, it's perfect for busy people with bite-sized lessons that break down important concepts into understandable parts. Kind of like Pale Blue Pod. Try everything Brilliant has to offer for free for a full 30 days just by visiting brilliant.org slash palebluepod or click on the link in our description. The first 200 signups will also get 20% off Brilliant's annual premium subscription. Again, that's brilliant.org slash palebluepod. Uh, speaking of megastructures, I was really annoyed that the once you get to the end of the movie and you see the internal structure of the moon, you see the megastructure inside, I was so mad that it pretty much perfectly matched the artist depictions of megastructures that they showed at the megastructurist meeting. I'm like, you're telling me that human conspiracy theorists perfectly estimated or perfectly predicted what, what it looks like aliens would build. That's exactly <laughs> what this guy thinks about himself. He's like, yeah. I was always right and have always been right. Mm-hmm. And he was just uh, pro- proven no. <laughs> in, in, in too strong of a way, you know? Uh-huh. Nothing is ever that accurate. This is probably my last peeve because it's a pretty broad strokes one, which is that the B plot <laughs> and the C plot and the D plot. Mm-hmm. Every the, the challenge of the movie like this is the stakes are so high to start that there's very little relationship storyline that will have an impact on me where mm-hmm. I'm like, it, I actually this doesn't matter because the stakes are so high. Where it's kind of like designated survivor, if you watch the pilot of that, um, where the whole government blows up and then the secretary of transportation is now the president. And there's a B plot that his son is maybe dealing drugs at school. Oh, and it's like, I I actually don't give a shit (laughs) because (laughs) actually everyone important was just exploded. So Mm -hmm. that I kind of felt in this movie where it's his son, Brian's son is dealing with like, prison time because he stole Mm -hmm. a car and he's just like this mini story of him and his son reuniting and I think I could have felt it a lot more had like some of the scenes been tweaked of course but it was Mm -hmm. really hard for me to prioritize like the emotions of that when the moon is falling to the earth yeah like the the secondary storyline in this movie is that both Brian and Joe's kids need to get to safety but like 
their safety truly does not matter if the moon falls to the earth. Like it's exactly. <laughs> and they kept saying, I want to say they said this maybe four times in the movie. You got to get to Colorado. And I was like, why? Why With the mountains in- where you're closer, <laughs> to, closer the to the moon? And I was like, they must have some like gorgeous house in Aspen. And they're like, wouldn't it be nice to die there? Which I respect. But mm-hmm. but that's not what they're saying. <laughs> that is not that's what not they're the saying. That's not the reason. So that was really hard for me to get. Every time we cut back to whatever drama was happening with these kids on their mission to get to Colorado, I was like, I was immediately bored. And they were mm-hmm. high stakes scenes. Like there were people with guns relatively. them. Yeah, but relatively, no, exactly. Yeah. This movie was two hours long and it could have been a more appropriate length if they had not shown us what was happening on earth like i don't i don't need to know what's happening with these kids i think they were trying to give both joe and brian like a personal stake in their mission they already have a personal stake in their mission because if they don't succeed they and literally everyone else is going to die like it's not because of their kids yes exactly exactly and you could really see the moments where Again, this is me conspiracy theorizing how this movie was written, but I think they went in and added that kid storyline, and it was not the original intention, but I'm, this is allegedly, allegedly, I have no idea. Supposedly. People are saying. Um, Okay. Yeah. Um, Why the fuck did they let Casey take his phone on this mission that required no electronics? Yes. He's just snapping pictures. Just snapping pictures that he's he's not going to get to take home because he sacrificed himself. But, like, if I were Joe, the moment I saw him take out that phone, I would have broken it. Or I would have thrown 100%. it off the rocket. Like there, And he turns and he's like, it's mm. on airplane mode. That doesn't do that doesn't what do you think it does. That doesn't make it non-electronic. Yes. yes. <laughs> they have to they have to use an old space shuttle that doesn't have electronics to maneuver. They they like break out a special space shuttle from a museum for this mission, mm-hmm. but he thinks he can bring his like twenty twenty two iPhone along? <laughs> what the hell? I'm actually so curious if your phone would actually work in that environment. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be able to send. He couldn't be sending anything, right? No, but he could no, take he the was picture just taking that he pictures. Wanted. Yeah, yeah. The phone is still. It's just. It's like a phone that doesn't have service. Yeah, still electronic. I wouldn't want to bring that with me. I would. Oh, I would. <laughs> I see why he did it. But I'm now mad at Joe and Brian for letting for letting him, him, do him it. go on. Yeah, nobody got a pat down before this at all. Yeah, yeah. My last pet peeve is a little bit about Casey too. But it's when there we briefly meet a character who we don't see again, who is another conspiracy theorist, and he's like kind of shown to be a little more radical than Casey, but radical in a way where he's like they they've kind of created this this ranking of conspiracy theorists with this character, mm-hmm. where it's like, yes, some of us are completely insane, like that guy, but I, Casey, am the smart one, and I'm correct. <laughs> and what this other guy was saying was that there was produce on the moon. <laughs> It's all produce. It's all it's produce. Full of produce. There are so, and I did not understand. I'm like, no, 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 no. There are not some conspiracy theorists who are right, and some who are insane. And if anything, we should welcome the conspiracy theorists who say there are potatoes on the moon, and we should be in kicking the moon. in the moon. Yes, of course. They, potatoes come from the moon. I think he said like, how did the Incas get potatoes or something? And you're like, yes. I'm sure it wasn't from the moon. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's the, the aliens who built the moon. They, they, they dropped off potatoes. Meticulously uh, <laughs> dug up the potatoes from the core, brought them to the surface, yes. and then just chucked them down. Just chucked them down at Earth. And, like, famously, if we're going to talk canon... <laughs> Canon of the, the the lore of this podcast is that the moon, if anything, is made of cheese. So mm. like it's not potatoes. <laughs> but my problem wasn't exactly that he said that. It was that we decided to be like, well, that guy's crazy, mm. but I'm not. And I was like, no, 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 you're both insane. <laughs> there, there's not like a spectrum here. No. Like you're all just wrong. Exactly. <laughs> but then it turns out. Turns out he's right. All, I he's know. right, and there there are big fields in the moon. But probably not potatoes. <laughs> not potatoes. <laughs> okay, I have four. Four left. My first is that, so the aliens who built this lunar megastructure, it turns out that they are our genetic ancestors and that they are this race of aliens that have propagated themselves through the through the galaxy and seeded Earth with their genetic material. Um, this is very common in sci-fi and I think it's unnecessary in this movie. I think it's used to make the the storyline more complicated like mm-hmm. and and more contrived. It's also lazy. Yeah. Um Stargate does this and they are the only people that I'll give a pass because I love <laughs> Stargate so much. Um with the ancients who are this this race of aliens who did exactly this. They seeded the galaxy with their DNA and they set up the Stargate system. The aliens here seeded Earth and other planets, or tried to, with their DNA and uh, set up these megastructures <laughs> that would do that. Um, so that that was unnecessary mm-hmm. and lazy storytelling that I did not appreciate. I agree. The, my next one, uh, another unnecessary moment, the stepdad. And this is, this is from the, like, the <gasps> secondary storyline. Yes, line. the stepdad. Okay, so at, at the end of the movie, when the, when the moon is close enough, the water is experiencing this weird gravity, so it's floating up towards the moon. The atmosphere, the gases in our atmosphere are doing the same thing. And this this is this is what would happen. Atmospheric gases are escaping from Earth all the time anyway. So if you have another strong gravitational field like the moon, much closer to us, it would it would rip uh, stuff away. Not just the oxygen though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're talking about how the oxygen is leaving the atmosphere because they went to Colorado, which is closer to the moon, because they're idiots. Uh, but <laughs> I did appreciate how they explored the concept of atmospheric loss in this movie. But the thing that made me mad was the stepdad character who took off his mask and gave it to his daughter so she could uh, get yes. to safety. First of all, why are they trying to hide in a, a tunnel under a mountain when there are rocks impacting the earth and causing earthquakes that was dumb but it was really dumb for him to take off his mask and give it to his daughter and just lay there and die yep as opposed to walking with his daughter and sharing the mask back and forth it didn't have to be an all or nothing thing no he just sacrificed himself for no reason that was really frustrating and hard to watch because you're just like what why why Why? are you doing this why i can't believe you've done this (laughs) Um, okay, so at the end, <laughs> Brian and Joe are able to make it back to Earth, even though they don't have, a, like, a shuttle 
really. They have the the tiny little cruise ship yes. type thing. Yes. Uh, but their shuttle got this destroyed, the, the rocket that they used to get from Earth to the moon. But at the end, they basically just fall out of the moon. And because the moon is like grazing the surface of the Earth, they just fall. They just fall onto the surface <laughs> of the Earth and they're fine. Um, but apparently they land in New York City and they know that they're in New York City because they see the top of the Chrysler building yep. that's like fallen over. Except, except behind the Chrysler building, you also see these apparently new mountain ridges covered in snow. Yep. And I just want to know what happened that there are now new mountain ridges in New York City mm-hmm. that formed from all of this tectonic activity, but the Chrysler building like remained intact. Survives. Survives it all. <laughs> what? <laughs> I completely agree with you. And I think by that part of the movie, I was so frustrated. Like I was, yeah. I, I kept snagging on other things during the storyline that when we finally got to that, I had nothing left to snag. Like I was mm-hmm. just, no, there was nothing more going on in my head. I completely agree. <laughs> that was horrible. It was, it was really bad. Um, and then that brings us to my final pet peeve, which is the biggest pet peeve <sighs> that I have. Um, okay. So, they say that this megastructure is powered by a, a core mm-hmm. inside. And there's the scene where Casey, Joe, and Brian are flying into the core of the moon. And they see it. They see the glowing bright object. And, and Casey says, like, oh, it's a white dwarf. You know, yes. like he's, he, he realizes that this thing he's believed for so long is actually true. But here's the thing, Corinne. Mm-hmm. The moon is about a quarter the size of the Earth. We know this. We have we have observed this. And they didn't say in the movie that the moon is a different size. It's, yep. it's only its mass has changed. So uh, the moon is a quarter the size of the Earth. The typical white dwarf is the size of the Earth. Yep. You cannot fit something the size of the Earth inside something that is a quarter the size of the Earth. So yep. that just doesn't work. It would have made slightly more sense if they had said that the thing in the center of this megastructure was a neutron star, which are much smaller than Earth. Uh, they they can have diameters of like 20 miles. You know, a neutron star is the size of, of, a, of a city here yeah. on Earth. But they are the mass of the sun. So <gasps> even if they did get the size right and say it was a neutron star, then the mass would be all off. And yeah. so it's just it's all it's all wrong. No matter how generous you try to be with this this thing that's powering the megastructure, it's wrong. I I think that that was where they were really tripping over themselves because they could have created a much simpler justification for this. That would have given us the exact same scenes that we had, except it wouldn't have been this complicated. Because I did Mm -hmm. write down, quote, a captured white dwarf being harnessed for energy, question mark, question mark, question mark. And it made it seem like these aliens are hunting white dwarfs and capturing them in these. Yeah, with their lassos. Yeah. They They got their stellar lassos. I was like, you've created an entirely different tone and like adventure and i want to see that they made space cowboys that's what i want to see show me the space cowboys who are capturing the stars i don't care about the the astronauts kids just show me the space cowboys who made this lunar exactly i do not care that sam or whatever the son's name is stole a car (laughs) show me the cowboys show me the cowboys um so that's our that's our peeves that's our peeves yay um so that we don't just tear this movie to shreds we've got thieves 
Thieves of our hearts. They stole our hearts. And I will say that my list of thieves is shorter, but love is greater than hate. So yes. it doesn't matter how few is are on this list because <laughs> they add up. The mass is greater. Oh, yes. Um, uh, the thieves are denser <laughs> yes. than the thieves. <laughs> They're way denser. <laughs> my first thieve is just Halle Berry. Oh, I perfect. haven't seen her in a while my own fault and Mm -hmm. she's really good at what she does because (laughs) i did write down that i'm glad i'm not an actor because i could never do these lines is what i wrote and she really i really bought everything she was feeling yeah uh do you have a favorite line by her um oh yeah the karaoke line Mm. where she's like i karaoke that at my wedding (laughs) as one does (laughs) as one does this movie should have shown us her wedding yes Inside the Moon, and the the Alien Cowboys. The, those are the, if they ever think of doing a prequel, and they kind of did set themselves up for a sequel at the end of this, mm-hmm. that's what I hope to see. All right, from, from our mouths to <laughs> Hollywood's ears. <laughs> my first thief, the first thing that stole my heart, was at the beginning of the movie, I loved that they muted the sound when we weren't inside the spacecraft. That's a really good thief. Because mm-hmm. so many, so much sci-fi makes space loud but space is a vacuum meaning there is very very little pressure Mm -hmm. almost no pressure in space and sound travels over pressure waves you need a medium for sound to travel through so i liked that with the music and with the screaming and with all of the like electronic uh beeping that was happening in the space shuttle we didn't hear that from the outside yeah for sure Okay, my next thief is a small moment in the B-plot, which I know I said I hated, where (laughs) there's a character who is caring for Joe's son, who seems to be an exchange student. Yeah. Although at first I thought she was Halle Berry's wife. Same. But I... I was like, lesbian? Yeah. And I was like, oh, fun. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. No, not true. She is like a kind of caregiver figure for the sun and she makes a joke to brian's son when brian shows off this like kind of impulsive tattoo he got once that is i think she's chinese and the the tattoo is chinese lettering and she makes a joke that it says the jonas brothers and he's like what like i didn't want the tattoo that says jonas i thought that was so funny yeah a good a good moment of levity Mm -hmm. in this movie Mm -hmm. yeah my next thief is and I wrote that I wrote this in all caps and I circled it a bunch. It's Fuzz Aldrin. Casey's oh my cat God. is named Fuzz yes. Aldrin, which is which is the best name. It's such a good name and it makes it even better that the cat like <laughs> consciousness lives on yes. in the moon. <laughs> yes. The moon knows about Fuzz Aldrin and that makes me so happy. Yeah, the moon should. <laughs> um Okay, my next thief is that I really liked that they showed me an alien that did not look like an alien I typically see. Mm, well, they didn't. They didn't show. They didn't the like alien. show it, but the 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 snake thing that's traveling in this kind of mercury like texture, I was mm-hmm. like, I don't usually see stuff like that, and I liked it. That's a good point. There aren't a lot of swarm aliens. There aren't a lot of like faceless things i think a lot of alien stuff it is disorienting like when an alien has a human-like body but something's off but it was Mm -hmm. really fun that it was like a pure monster usually in science fiction my biggest pet peeve is that they made the alien look too humanoid so i I like that uh Mm -hmm. i didn't have to list that as a peeve here yeah yeah uh my next thief is that 
I appreciated that the moon fell because of external influences and not some natural cause. Uh, before I started this movie, mm. I was really worried that they were they were going to say, no, the, the moon's orbit just naturally started to decay. That would have made me extremely angry. Um, but because it was from like an, an alien trying to influence our system, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll buy it. Sure. I love the moment when Ryan's son in the beginning, um, this is like the youngest we see the son in the movie, yells, I hate New Jersey. (laughs) This is your New Yorker side coming out. This is me. And you know what? I'm someone who has always liked going to New Jersey because it meant like, oh, we're going to go to a Mm. mall. And I love malls. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) I just thought it was so funny that they just gave this kid the line, I hate New Jersey. (laughs) And there's a really funny line in Love Actually, a movie I do love, which I know is controversial. I do love it. (laughs) And I think it's because I saw it at an age when it was just great mm. to love. Um, there's a mo- there's a line where, like, one of the kids yells, I hate Uncle Jamie, which me and my husband Good. will say a lot. <laughs> and now it's like, I hate New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah, someone on this writing staff or production team is is a New Yorker. Like, many, many yes, people 100%. in positions of power for this movie yes. <laughs> must be. I, I've been talking about this this entire episode, but I love that Alma was included in this movie, even though it wasn't necessary yes. at all. Um, I also really appreciated how they showed that astronomy research on these big telescopes is often done remotely. That made me happy. Yes. I love when you can see glimpses into the, the real life of a, of a researching astronomer. Yeah, I really mm-hmm. liked that too. I like when that kind of worldwide, you know, What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Not interest, but like exploration can feel mm. small. Like I felt that way a lot when I was reading about like how the COVID vaccine was getting made. And they were saying like, yeah, we're literally on Zoom with doctors in Europe or something. And I was like, we're all working yeah. together. I think that's one of my favorite things about astronomy, that we can study stuff so far away, billions of light years away from this one tiny little rock that we can't leave. Yeah, uh, I think that's so beautiful. I have one more thief, which is there's a character who means nothing to the story, but she was important to me because she she goes up, she drives up to the drive-thru window at Casey's like day job and orders a pastrami sandwich. And she asks him what kind of sauces they offer with the pastrami sandwich. And I loved her because I want to be an old woman who takes myself out for a saucy pastrami sandwich. This is you in the future. It sounded so good. I'm so hungry now. I want a pastrami sandwich. He was like, well, you can have that with ranch, which is not a sauce that you mm. typically get with that pastrami sandwich. But I'm like, I would eat that. Mm. He did not answer her question fully. Nope. Nope. And he then she goes. distracted. He gets distracted because he gets a text that the moon is mm-hmm. falling to the earth. And he has to, he has to go take his 15 minute break. Right. He's already late right. for work. He has to get written up now. He's not a, an amazing employee. <laughs> no. But, but again, the stakes are so high, it does not matter. It really doesn't. Uh, my, my final thief is all the gravity effects. The mm. way that they showed how bodies with, with gravity interacting can mess up the, the way that we go about the world. I really appreciated that. And I, yeah. they didn't do a lot of math for it. Um, They were just showing the concept, but I don't like doing math either. I like showing things with concepts. (laughs) So um, that 
that tickled my fancy. I think that maybe this is a hot take, but I think that the movie is worth it for those scenes of the the ocean rising up. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a big rocket scene that I was stressed. Especially because they waited. They waited too long. They could have launched earlier. Oh, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> Things always take too long. There's a moment when Halle Berry releases everybody where she's just like, you all did great work. Go be with your families. Why? And it was like, what? We're just giving up? They don't have time to go reach their families. No. No one's going to get to Colorado now. No. <laughs> just You might as well have everyone stay here. and Let's just try it one more time. <laughs> yeah. That was annoying. I love how we, uh, we, we went back to the peeves. <laughs> We had to end on a peeve. <laughs> well, now uh, we will end on a rubric. We have yes. uh, decided that there are five different areas we want to score this movie in, from one to three moons. Uh, so mm-hmm. in total, this movie can get a score of 15 moons. We will see how it actually does. Mm-hmm. Uh, the <laughs> categories here are story, Scenery, which uh, we are saying is a combination of the writing and the production of this movie. Like, what what do mm-hmm. the scenes do? So one side could be really bad, but the other side is I, so good that I it do think it. that that's going to happen in this movie. I do think that's going to happen. The writing here. was kind of shit, but the <laughs> the production was terrible. But hey, that's not up to us. That's the rubric. Yeah, exactly. That's the rubric's we didn't, fault. That's we not didn't us. make the rules. <laughs> Um, the third category, you have to have this with, with movies, is sex appeal. Yep, 100%. It's one of the things that sells. Of course. The fourth category, uh, really important for this show, scientific accuracy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And fifth, also really important for this show, how soothing is it? Does it make yeah. us feel better or worse about the universe? Mm-hmm. Am I mm-hmm. any closer to being the universe's friend? Yes, exactly. Would the universe want to be friends with this movie? With this movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Uh, so for story, uh, you said, Corinne, that you have thoughts about this story. I think the story was really lacking. <laughs> I think it needed a lot of... I think that I think most of the parts were there and they were kind of shown to me in the wrong order. Okay. Like some of like Halle Berry's husband coming out late. Like I want, I could have been invested in like how she had a totally different life than Brian because she got to stay at NASA and he didn't. Or like, mm-hmm. I think my brain is filling in a lot of the gaps for what I wanted. But the actual story to me, perfectly mediocre. Yeah. It wasn't so bad and it wasn't good. It wasn't anything special. I mean, yeah. they, they're clearly trying to do some sort of uh, hero's journey with Casey's character who yes. starts off as this uh, like outcast conspiracy theorist and then ends up saving the day. That yes. was cute. That's a cute arc. But I feel like the other characters, Brian and Joe, they didn't have good arcs. I feel like there's no. a lot of extra stuff in this movie that didn't have to be there. Like We both agree the B and C plots aren't necessary. And, you know, I think one of the things that gives that away or like shows how kind of messy this was was because when I was pulling together like oh let me grab the logline for this movie for the recording mm-hmm. there are so many of them floating around and Ooh. they all center a different character as the hero and I think that's what the movie suffered from of like we didn't really have one hero mm. we had these it's three, doing too much it was doing too much even not just with the characters but with with the plot like the yes. fact that they they made this mega structure's origin so much more complicated yes. than it needed to be in order to to force their story to work. Mm-hmm. Like they they needed the alien to be like the ancients from Stargate so that they would like us. Like they 
Right. They needed there to be some sort of kinship between humans and the ancient aliens who built the megastructure so that there could be a bad alien and a good alien. Um, yes. Like they were, they, they tried so there hard. There was a lot. Yeah. And then there are moments they're pitting the army against NASA. It's just like, who's the enemy? Oh, yeah. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't really talk about the military, <laughs> no. but. Um, there was a military thread. You got to see the movie. They get points off, in my opinion, for wanting to nuke the moon and not caring about any sort of radiative fallout. Yeah, that was a really silly choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so how many moons would you give this story? Could it be one and a half moons? Yeah, you can give it one and a half. I'm going to give it one and a half. Okay, I'll agree with that. Hell yeah. On to scenery, which is writing and production. This is It tricky. looked beautiful. Because it looks so beautiful. It really did. Like, they clearly spent a lot of money on yes. those effects. They really communicated what was happening visually. Like, I, mm-hmm. I understood. If I had to watch this movie without dialogue, I think I'd understand pretty well what was happening. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. 100%. But there are some lines in this movie that aren't good. Aren't <laughs> no. good. Like, there's, there's, there's a moment where Joe says, after they realize that the moon is, is in spiraling... Everything we know about the nature of the universe has gone out the window. Yes. Excuse me? <laughs> no, it hasn't. And I'm kind of concerned that you think that's the case and you're about to be the acting director of NASA. You're so right. I'm going to say that there are some lines in this movie that I never would have thought to write. There's mm. no combination or no length of time where I would have put those words together. So... I guess that's impressive, but to me, it was really just weird. Yeah, just weird. But uh, it looks so good. It looks so good. So I'm, I'm going to, I would like to give it a two. Yeah. I agree in with the that. middle. Yeah. It's right in the middle. I agree with that. Two moons. Two moons. Okay. Sex appeal. Sex appeal. The only sex appeal that you could, that I could find in this movie if I was searching would be Halle Berry. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. No, there are no other characters. There are no other plot points. There's, There's no other anything. There's not even a kiss anything. in this movie. Yeah. Um, nothing about this movie made me feel sexy or made me feel... Was there any romance? No. Wasted. Which is fine. I actually, I, I do admire that. Um, yeah. I think that too many movies try to shoehorn romance in when it's not necessary. Um, but you can have sex appeal without yes. having romance. That's and true. this movie to me had neither. It had none. And even like you expect a character like Brian to be the hot astronaut who steps yeah. up and is ready to save the world. Yeah. And there was nothing attractive about what ended up happening. It was it was largely just like, oh no, we're gonna die. For me, mm-hmm. that's what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. This is not a movie you want to watch for a Netflix and chill. Ex- and not just because no. it's not on Netflix. <laughs> Um, I want to give it, like, zero moons. Yeah, I think this might be a zero for me. Zero, yeah, zero sex appeal moons. Oh, sorry. It's okay. It's okay, Moonfall. You don't have to be sexy. <laughs> you don't have to be hot all the time. Mm-hmm. We are saying you look pretty, so there's that. True. Okay, on to scientific accuracy. Um, <laughs> um, in terms of concepts, okay. Yeah. Because they said the moon was changing due to an external factor better. Yeah. And because they got all of the, the gravitational effects, like all of the tidal mm-hmm. effects conceptually right, mm-hmm. I, I like that. Yeah. I really do not like the fact that there's a white dwarf in the center of something that's <laughs> a quarter the size of the Earth. And I really don't like that 
apparently we've just never accurately measured the the mass or size or density of the moon. That's it. I completely agree with you. There was a part where I was briefly frustrated that they were going to take a space shuttle to the moon, which you space shuttles only went to the ISS. Mm. Um, but the moon is so close now that I was like, well, maybe you could take the shuttle there. Okay. But that's what yeah. a lot of this movie is. is like, well, that's not right, but maybe it's okay. Right. The fact that we have to put on our very generous glasses to yeah. watch this movie means that it, sh- it definitely doesn't get three moons. Mm-hmm. I don't think it should get two <laughs> moons. I would maybe give it one moon. I think it's a one moon. Okay. One it's moon. a it's a one mooner. It's a it's a unimoon. Unimoon. <laughs> That's a mono. It's a mono mono moon. moon. <laughs> um, and the soothing factor. Okay. Bad. Not good. Not soothed <laughs> for me. Right. Not soothed right. at all. This movie makes people think that at any moment, the moon could just start in-spiraling towards the Earth because I of aliens. I think it could have been soothed by the end had they not done that final scene where I'm supposed to think that things are still living in the moon. Like the good aliens? The good aliens. The good aliens. I think oh, I'm okay. unsettled by just aliens, period. Mm, well, I mean, it's a megastructure, correct? <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Just accept that fact. There's always going to be an alien in the moon as long as it's a megastructure. But I wasn't soothed. I was not more eager to learn. I was mostly like, that can't happen, right? (laughs) Yeah. Do you think that this actively makes people uncomfortable about space? I don't know if it makes people actively uncomfortable. Okay, so we don't have to give it negative moons. It's not going to be a negative moon. But I am worried that it's going to empower the wrong people. I don't want any flat earthers to be empowered by a conspiracy coming true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that point. Half a moon? I think it's a half moon. Half? It's a half moon. (laughs) It's not a full moon. Oh, wow. Y'all, this movie did not do well on our blueprint. Did it really just get five out of 15 moons? I'm doing, we've said we don't like math and we're running the numbers. (laughs) It's true. It's true. It's this. Okay. Well, you have it here, folks. Moonfall, the 2022 box office flop got uh, on our official pale blue pod uh, movie rubric, got a five out of 15. That's a third mm-hmm. for so all you can... fraction freaks. Oh, that's a third. that is very close to the 36% it got on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh my God. You're so right. Maybe mm-hmm. the rubric is actually a really good Ooh. good at predicting the Rotten Tomatoes score. Yeah, we may have stumbled upon <laughs> this amazing system. Um, okay, so you can decide whether or not you want to see this movie. Yeah. Uh, but we uh, we need to actually leave the control room now <laughs> yep, because I'm there's sure an like, observation <laughs> scheduled. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> <For> right now. <laughs> but please remember, no matter uh, what telescope you're trying to control remotely or uh, what movie you may be watching you're still space you are (laughs) bye pale blue pod was created by moya mcteer and corinne caputo with help from the multitude productions team our theme music is by evan johnston and our cover art is by shay mcmullen our audio editing is handled by the incomparable misha stanton stay in touch with us and the universe by following at pale blue pod on twitter and instagram or check out our website palebluepod.com 
We're a member of Multitude, an independent podcast collective and production studio. If you like Pale Blue Pod, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. If you want to support Pale Blue Pod financially, join our community over at patreon.com slash palebluepod. For just about $1 per episode, you get a shout out on one of our shows and access to director's commentary for each episode. The very best way, though, to help Pale Blue Pod grow is to share it with your friends. So send this episode, this link, to one person who you think will like it, and we will appreciate you for forever. Thanks for listening to Pale Blue Pod. You'll hear us again next week. Bye. Bye.